Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 says this. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, thanking you that we're here this morning just gathered together to open up your word and be changed by it, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord, just in, the, in, just in the deepest places of our heart. Lord, there's some places inside of us, some places in our heart which we've been hiding and we want to expose them to the light. And Lord, we remember your word which says if we walk in the light, even as he is in the light, that we will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, do that work in us this morning, Lord. Draw us into your light. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So when... A man or woman becomes a Christian almost without exception their first response to being in the body of Christ is what do I do now? What do I do now? And I can tell you what God's response to that question is. God's response is, I don't want to talk about what you're supposed to do. I want to talk about who you are. I want to talk about who you are. Now, in the eyes of man, you may look like the same person after you come into the body of Christ. You may look like the same person. But in the eyes of God, you're, you're, you really, you look uh, totally and utterly different. Completely different. At the moment, at the instant, your heart embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior. In God's eyes, you are literally unrecognizable to what you were before. And here in Ephesians... Paul does 
the same thing that God does. He speaks about who you are, who we are, once we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. He is more or less saying, I'm going to start this letter not by telling you what to do, but telling you who you are. You're unrecognizable to what you were prior to knowing God. Paul is going to to say this to them in so many words. So again, verse uh, 1, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. He says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Now I will tell you, if you just take those six verses and you chew on them and and you read them every day for the next six months you'll be a completely different person than you are today those six verses and I want to break them down let's try to to break them down I'm going to put a chart up here and this is this is a chart based upon what we just read and it's who you are once you have given your life to Jesus Christ. It starts off saying you are in Him. And that's based off of verse 1. It says Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Second, it says you are, not what you must do, but you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Verse 3 says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Next, it says that you are chosen. The beginning of verse 4 says, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. And then it says, you are holy and blameless. End of verse 4, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. And then we have here, it says, you are adopted as sons and daughters. Verse 5 says, having become, having 
predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Then it says, you are the praise of his glory. Verse 6 says, to the, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And then it says, you are accepted in the beloved. And the verse 6 says, by which he made us, by which he made you, accepted in the beloved. Now remember what I said, unrecognizable. You are after, at the instant, at the moment that you receive Jesus into your life from, from God's, in God's eyes, you're unrecognizable to what you were before. And you may think, and more or less, you know, in God's eyes, um, you may think, he must see me this similar to how he saw me uh, before, but uh, it's not like that. You're unrecognizable. And I want to put here to try to help us another chart here that shows a comparison of chapter 1 and chapter 2. <coughs> chapter 2 is a description that Paul has of what you were prior to putting your faith in Christ, prior to surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. And remember, um, you know, I'm saying that this is what Paul's description, but uh, really it's what God describes. It's what the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit describes. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. 2 Peter 2.20 says, <clears throat> No Scripture, nothing in the Bible, came from the writer's own understanding, but rather Scripture came about as men were moved by the Holy Spirit. So this is really what the Holy Spirit, uh, this is His description of you before you were put, you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. So first it says that you were dead in trespasses and sins. Chapter 2 verse 1 says this, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And then it says, you had no hope. So skip down to verse 12 of chapter 2. Chapter 12 of chapter uh, 2 says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Then it says that you conducted yourself according to the lusts of your flesh. So go up to verse 3 of ch and chapter 2. It says, again, it's a description of you before you were uh, in Christ. It says, among whom also we all conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. Now, underline that word, all. We all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. And so... 
The next description there is you were sons and daughters of wrath. We just read that as well in chapter 2, verse 3. It says you were all, by your nature, children of wrath. Wrath means anger. The anger of God. Prior to putting your faith in, in Christ, that the anger, the judgment, the justice of God, you were, you were under that, the Bible says. And then it says, you were sons and daughters of disobedience. Verse 2 again says, up in chapter 2 here, it says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And then finally it says, you were strangers and foreigners. So if you go down to verse 19 of chapter 2 it says now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God so here it is God's in God's eyes today if you are in Christ there's some here uh, in this room, I, 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 I'm sure, just because of the number of people in this room who are not in Christ. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. But um, once putting your faith in Christ, this is who you were in the left-hand column. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing and unrecognizable. Why? Because you were dead in trans- trespasses and sins. Today you are chosen chosen but then before you put your faith in Christ you had no hope today you're holy and blameless but then before Christ it says you conducted yourself according to the lusts of your flesh you are adopted as sons and daughters it says you're unrecognizable because before you were sons and daughters of wrath of anger, of God's anger. You were precisely the opposite. You were an enemy. You weren't a son or a daughter. You were an enemy. Left hand column, you are the praise of His glory. Unrecognizable because before you were in Christ, you were sons and daughters of disobedience. And then lastly, it says, you are accepted in the beloved. But before Christ, you were strangers and foreigners. Now, we are going to be getting into chapter 2 later in a a Sunday coming up in the next couple months. But um, if you're reading the right-hand column and saying, you know, I think about myself a little better than that. I mean, without Christ, without God, without hope, and this one's really hard, conducting myself according to the lust of, of my flesh, a son and daughter of wrath, I, I don't think so. I would suggest that if that really is your response when you read the second hand, hand the, the column on the right, you may be in some serious danger this morning. Because the Bible 
rather serious danger in terms of your relationship with God because the Bible says very clearly that once you are in Christ, God opens up your eyes. Jesus said he came not uh, for those who see, but for the blind, to open the eyes of the blind. Once he opens up your eyes, you'll be seen very well over time. Now, granted, over time, you'll see it more and more, but you will know full well that this is a description of you prior to Christ. And if you're looking at that this morning and saying, that doesn't describe me before I knew God, I suggest that maybe you are not in God. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. The Bible says that there are many things, 1 Corinthians 2, that says that uh, that are spiritually discerned that the natural man does not understand. Maybe, maybe you're a natural man. You're a natural woman. Meaning, God's never taken you and made you alive. But I want to get back to uh, chapter 1. We're in chapter 1. We'll be in chapter 2 at a later date. And I want to put back the chart here um, that we started with in chapter 1. This is the first thing God wants to talk about with every man, woman, and child that comes into the body of Christ. Yes, there are important things that God wants you to do, really important things, critical things. The Bible says actually also in chapter 2 that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do a work for God. He has a specific work for you. But his priority in terms of his discussion with you, not only when you become a Christian, but always is this. And it's been my experience up to this very day that when I spend alone time, just me and God, this is what he wants, he starts off with. If, if he has my attention, which sometimes is really hard, because I get things on my mind and I want to talk about everything but this. He if, he, if he gets my attention, when he gets my attention, he brings me back to this. Steve, that, listen, you know, your, your mind's really cluttered now. Let me just remind you as you're starting this alone time with me that you are in me, that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Notice the tense there, are blessed, past tense, meaning we have it now. Steve, remember, you are chosen. You are holy and blameless. I'm looking at you, and you're holy and blameless. You are, Steve, you're a, a son and you're a daughter. You are the praise of, uh, of my glory, and you are accepted in the beloved. This is, this is how God wants to start most conversations with you, whether you've been a Christian for two days, two decades, or 50, 60 years. Right here. And it's how, it's how Paul uh, starts this. Let me just begin with verse 1. It says, again, it says, you are in him. You are in Christ. Paul begins the letter by saying, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, in Him. So, remember John. We just finished 1 John. Remember what phrase he used. 
from beginning to the end, from the first chapter to the last chapter, what did he say repeatedly over and over? He said, you are in Christ. You are in him. You are in God. Over and over again, that, the, that, that little phrase is used. And what does that mean? That means John is trying to say you're in a relationship. This is not all about religion. This is about a relationship in which you are in Christ. You're in union with Him. That is not how I thought about God before becoming a Christian. In Christ, in Jesus, I remember first reading the Bible. I didn't get that when I first started reading the Bible because God was up there in a big cavernous cathedral. He was sort of up there and I was down here. But when you put your faith in Christ, you are in Him. Before you were out of Him, now you're in Him. Very simple. And he's going to use this phrase throughout the letter just as John did. This is what the Holy Spirit is going over and over and over and over, repeating himself over and over and over because we just don't get it. We are in a relationship, not in a religion where we come to church and we burn candles and we say prayers at the appointed time, we, whatever, we, we raise our hands at the appointed time and we kneel at the appointed time. No, that's religion. That's just doing things in order to appease God or to feel better before God. No, you are in Him. That's who you are. God wants to first begin the conversation with you, discussing with you who you are. And now number two, it says you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. And I must have asked God a hundred times, how in the world do I describe this to people? I mean, every spiritual blessing. Again, verse 3 said, says this. Remember, he's writing from a jail here and he's chained in this jail and, and he's not resenting it. He's not fighting God. Rather, he's praising God. And he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Meaning, I don't have to get to a certain place of holiness, a certain place of, of God-likeness, being like God. I don't have to uh, get my behavior level to a certain point to have all the spiritual blessings. You don't get more spiritual blessings at some future time. No, you have them the instant, the second you put your faith in Jesus Christ. At the second you place your life at his, at his feet, at that moment in time, it says, verse 3, you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, meaning, meaning they are anchored in heaven, meaning they're not changing, meaning the circumstances of your life may change, but not these blessings. But what are they? What are they? What are spiritual blessings? And, and really, the only, uh, the, the best way that I can describe it, it it's, it's, think about, think about uh, your home. Right? Think about my home with my children. And, and what they have 
just by living in my home, living in my presence. Well, they have, they're, they're, they have my love. I love my kids. I love being with my kids. It's my favorite thing to do, to be with my kids. I try to drag my oldest daughter whenever I can to the gym, uh, you know, and, and that's where we do. We do very different things at the gym. Actually, she lifts more weight than I do. It's amazing, but maybe I shouldn't have said that. Uh, but but uh, anyway, uh, I love being in there. So we have the presence um, um, uh, and, and we're, we're being loved. Um, but they're also, they're, they're receiving my wisdom. They're, they're being taken care of by me. And so, but with God, it's that and so much more. When it talks about spiritual blessings, it's referring to you just, you're loved as much now as you ever will be for all eternity. Now, that should boggle your mind, but it's what the Bible says. He loves you just as much the moment after you give your life to him as he will for, for all eternity. Uh, but he also, he, he receives wisdom. And we've already talked about that, that, um, that 1 Corinthians 2 says the natural man doesn't understand the things of God. They're, the things of God are spiritually discerned. So once you uh, have given your life to Christ, this one spiritual blessing is just the wisdom of God. But it's also being taken care of by God. Now, that is a spiritual blessing that is uh, yours now. But with God, it's so much more. Um, when you're in God's house, a spiritual blessing that you have is you actually have and operate under His authority. You act as His ambassador. You act um, as His representative. Again, these things will take the rest of our lives to understand because they're so heavy. But when Jesus released his disciples to go where they were supposed to go, he, he gave them authority. And when you're in Christ, the moment that you accept Jesus Christ, you actually have authority of the leader of your home. I mean, my kids don't have authority to go and, and empty my bank account. I, I am kind of thankful for that, although I do trust them. So this is where the human, human analogy, it fails. With, with, with God, you literally have the authority to empty God's bank account. It's true. The moment that you become saved. I remember... Um, Michael Youssef in Atlanta, some of you may have heard him uh, in, on the radio, he is an Egyptian, and when he was like in his 18 or 19, he, he was in a car loaded with a bunch of Christians, he became a Christian at a young age, and he was going around Cairo and Egypt, and he smacked, they were in some dinky little car, banged up dinky little car, and they ran into the wrong car, it was a big limousine you know, sparkling. And they're like, oh no. And they get out and, and, and this guy jumps out of the car and he goes, do you realize who you have hit? you realize whose car you've hit? My father is Sheikh Abdullah Mohammed whatever, whatever, whatever. And Michael Youssef said, well, do you realize whose car you hit? <laughs> he said, 
my father's the king. And the guy literally got, they got into their car and went away. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> and, 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 and now, while it is true that it takes us a little time to understand how to exercise God's authority, and we'll, we'll make many mistakes along the way, All, we can literally, in a sense, empty his bank account if we're praying according to his will. That's an amazing thing. Verse 3, it says, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Um, But you also have just, you have access to his power. You have access to his glory. You have access to his healing. You have access to see into the spiritual world. Now that's that's something that I don't always want. <laughs> I I don't always want to see in the spiritual world, and sometimes the Lord will will you know does um, give this um, in in bits and pieces over time. But really, that access it, it is given right away to see into the spiritual world, to understand, to discern, to uh, to to to. To know, well, well, no, this thing is, is evil that's coming at me right now, and, and this thing is not. Every spiritual blessing in Christ now. What else? Who else are you? Again, what you're supposed to do, he's going to talk about later on in Ephesians, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful life that God wants. But what you're supposed to do comes later. What first comes is who you are. Verse 4. It says, just as He chose us in Him. You are chosen. You're chosen by God. You are not an accident. You may feel like an accident. Maybe biologically you were an accident and you've been hearing your whole life from your mother or father. You were an accident. I wish you didn't happen. That does that type of thing does happen. But no, you were chosen by God. I mean, you talk about self-esteem. We talked a few weeks ago about the world's idea of self-esteem. It, it, for example, is to try to convince uh, women that their self-esteem is wrapped and and how uh, you know how what their curves look like or how beautiful they are or how shiny their hair is or, or whatever, you know, how shiny your, your toenails are, you know, the self-esteem. I, I just got to do something about my self-esteem. I got to run to the pedicure, you know, this type of thing. And, and there's just this mad rush after that kind of self-esteem. But um, here's, here's what uh, Jesus says. Can we go to um, John chapter 15, 16? He says, you did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Now, this is Jesus talking. Now, we're going to talk more in the future about this thing about God choosing us and not the other way around. But it's, but it's who you are. You are a chosen one. You are chosen by Almighty God. Paul is saying that's who you are. Now that's the good news. Now the bad news is that he didn't choose uh, that he didn't choose you because you were better than anyone else. In fact, he may have chosen you because you were not better than anyone else. Look at this verse in 1 Corinthians, I think it's uh, chapter 1. 
It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called or when you were chosen. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Some people in the body of Christ are wise. Some people are influential. Some are of noble birth. Not many of you are of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And, and I, man, have I found that to be true. But before you, uh, you, you, your head starts growing larger that you were chosen by God, well, you may have been chosen by God for not exactly the reasons that you like, okay? Uh, uh, God chose the, the foolish things of the world to shame the wise so that no one may boast before him. But here's the deal. You were chosen. You, you were not an accident. You were chosen by the living God. Next, who are you? Verse 4 says, You are holy and without blame before Him in love. Can we get the chart uh, back up? Actually, no. Yeah, let's get the chart back up. So, you are holy and blameless. That's, that's who you are. Now let's go to the first uh, verse. A couple other translations um, of this verse here I'm going to put up. You are holy and blameless before God. Um, the New Living Translation, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. Now, again, these things are mind-boggling. They're hard to wrap your, your mind around that you actually, if you've put your faith in Christ, it says you're without fault before God. He looks at you and He's no fault. Now, I have... I've shared this verse, I remember sharing this just a couple years ago with a, a man that had been in the church for 40 years and he became angry and upset at me. He was in a Bible study. He never returned because I, 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 he, he was a churched guy, but he just didn't like the fact that I was quoting this. The web. I think it's the World English Bible. That he chose us that we would be holy and without defect before him in love. So you may think you're covered with defects, but God sees you and he doesn't see that at all. It says he chose us that we would be holy and without defect before him in love. And then the names of God Bible, it says he chose us through Christ to be holy and, oh my word, perfect in his presence. When you get before God in your one-on-one -on -one time with Him, this is where He wants to direct your attention. Right here. You are holy and blameless before Him. You were, He chose you. And now you're holy and blameless before Him. So every single violation of the Bible that you did in the last 24 hours that you are just thinking that you can't go before God because you did this and this and this and this. Well, this is God's perspective. Now, why does God look at you like this? The reason is, is because Jesus Christ, God so loved the world that he sent his only son and one of the things his son did for you, he lived a perfect life for you so that when you put your faith in him, he credits that life to you, to your account. 
And so from that time onward, what God sees is the perfection of his son. And then, now that is a remarkable thing. <laughs> so our position before God, this is, this is what it's like. Now, uh, it is true that as long as we live in this body, we will sin. We will sin. We will violate God's law. But in terms of how he sees us, this is who you are. Holy and blameless. You know, have you ever done some very shameful thing in private? Which really only you knew about? And you wondered, when I come out of this room and into around people I know, are they going to be able to like see a physical difference in me? Ever wondered that? I have. <laughs> are they because what I just did was so shameful and so bad? I wonder if they're going to going to be able to to know that. The Bible says that though man may not be able to figure it out. You know, because some of us, we, we play poker pretty good. We have this poker face. No matter what we do, we can, you know, just go out and people aren't going to be able to figure out what we did. But God, prior to, to, to Christ, prior to Christ, what he sees is what the... What, the, uh, what would be the equivalent of sort of um, a handful of muck over your face. That's what he sees before you put your faith in Christ. Every time you sin, you cover yourself in something really ugly. But the Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. It says, though your sins are like scarlet. He's talking to people prior to putting their faith in God. Though your sins are like scarlet. Because, uh, because every one of the sins that you commit prior to Christ, you, what, you're, what you're doing is, is, is you're, you're covering yourself in your sin. You're covering yourself in it. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. When? After you put your faith in Christ. Though they are at red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And, and now this is, a, this is a, a really heavy thing because, again, we put up that chart of before Christ and after Christ, or who you are now and who you were before Christ. Before Christ, you were covered with muck. And I tell you, it's a fearful thing to think of, of a man or woman getting before God Almighty at the judgment seat, covered in muck, and saying, no, really, let me in heaven. I'm not so bad. It doesn't work like that. Only Christ, only the righteousness of Christ, only the perfection that He lived out credits to our account can make us qualify us for heaven, which is we need to be white as snow. Heaven's that good. There's like no sin there, not even one sin. 
No evil desire. No evil thoughts. Only Jesus Christ can do that. But after Christ, it says in verse 4, you are holy and without blame before Him. Next, it says, uh, you are adopted as sons and daughters. Can we get the chart back up, uh, Sean? You are adopted as sons and daughters. And for this one, I, j- I just want to, um, I want to put up Romans chapter 8. It's a, it's a verse that I put up from time to time. But after putting your faith in Christ, I want you to um, understand that, that you are now a son or a daughter. In Romans 8, 15, it says, the spirit you received when you became a Christian does not make you a slave so that you live in fear again. Fear is slavery. <laughs> but rather the spirit, the Holy Spirit, you received when you put your faith in Christ brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry out, Abba, Father. And, and so the Spirit of God, one of the things that he does after you put your faith in Christ is there's a cry from within you, Abba, Father. Abba, it's, it's a word, it, the equivalent is Daddy. In, in other words, it's, it's an affection. It's come near to me, Daddy, please. Rather than that, that spirit where there's, you know, you, you're, you're sort of rubbing um, up against God. You're fighting Him. You're, you're never doing well enough or He's never uh, satisfied with you. It completely changes to a relationship between a father and son in which your spirit calls out, Abba, Father. And so, let's go to the chart again. Thank you, Sean. Wow, Sean, you, uh, you are good. All right. In Christ, you're, you're good. You're blameless and perfect in Christ. It says, you, who are you right now? You are the praise of His glory. You know, before we put our faith in Christ, the Bible says people would not look at us and praise God. The angels in particular, because this is really talking about angels, believe it or not. When angels see you after Christ, they praise God. The natural man has a problem. (laughs) The natural man has an obsession, and that is, what do others think about me? I don't know about you, but to this day, I have a big problem with that. A big problem with thinking all the time. If I do this, what, they're, what are they going to think of? Or I need to do this because they're going to think this. Or, and, and, and just, so the obsession of natural man, what are they going to think about me? Whoever this they is, what are they going to think about me? At the end of my life, what are, what, what are people going to think about me? Or now, or tomorrow, or next week, or in five years? What are people going to think about me? And we're, we're really enslaved to that in many ways. We're enslaved to what? We're enslaved to our own glory. We want to build our own glory. The glory of man. And, but, the, you know, it's so crazy because the Bible says the glory of man will be completely extinguished. 
not only does it mean nothing now, it really doesn't in the heavenlies. When, when someone, uh, when the angels of God see your glory, they're not praising God. No matter how much we work on our image and what people think of us, the, the glory of man is filthy. It's just ugly. It's nothing to praise um, anything about. And that glory, not only does it mean nothing now, it will completely die and extinguish upon our death, our glory, the glory of man. And within just a few years, a few decades, no one's going to remember you. In a hundred years, absent something, if Jesus tarries, absent something extremely unusual, not one of us will be remembered by anybody even our names. That's the glory of man. And we spend all our time obsessed about our glory? I love Proverbs eleven seventeen. Hopes placed in mortals die with them. A mortal is someone who's living now. Hopes placed in mortals die with them. In other words, the hope that I have for my own glory that that people are going to be looking at me in a certain way, and wow, wow, he's just successful. He's um, he, he's got everything together. He's he's um, uh, wow. I, I wish I was like him. All of that, all of that. That's that's the glory of man, and it's going to die with me. And all the promise of their power will come to nothing. In other words, the 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 expectation that that was actually going to provide them some kind of meaning in their life, it just comes to nothing. But in Christ, the Bible says, you are the praise of His glory. You are the trophy of God. Uh, Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of grace. He looks at you Yes, this is again, it's mind-boggling. It's hard for our minds to get around this. But he looks at you and you are a part of his glory. You, you, uh, you produce praise in the heavenlies for the glory of God because what God is doing and has done in your life. That's who you are, God is saying. Get your attention on this. Before I tell you what to do, get your attention on who you are. Lastly, can we have the chart, Sean? Way down there it says, you are accepted in the beloved. That's who you are. You're accepted in the beloved. Now, we do have a problem just being a church and uh, here that people come in who are new and some people come in, man, they're not used to, to church, much less a church in a conference room in a hotel. Okay, they come in here and they look around and they are thinking, I don't belong in this place. I don't belong here. I mean, look at these people. They got it together. They walk with God. I mean, I saw a person raise their hand during worship. That's not me. That's like some person who's really close to God. That's what we think many times when we first come into really what's called the beloved here. I believe personally that the meaning of beloved here, it's the gathering of saints. 
who are you? It's, he's, it says, he made you in, accepted in his beloved. Meaning you may uh, not feel as holy as all these people who are coming in here. You know, a bunch of them look like they have halos um, over their head. You are. You're accepted in the beloved. Look at verse 1. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus. He's writing to every, he's calling every single person in that church who has accepted Jesus. He's calling them a saint. Now look at the end of verse 4. It says that you were made holy and without blame before him. That word holy and that word saint, it's the exact same word. (laughs) Believe it or not. It's the exact same word. You are a bunch of holies here. You're a holy, you're a holy, you're a holy. That's what you are. When he says in verse 1, he says, to the holies who are in Ephesus. When you're accepted in, in, in the beloved, you're one of the holies. And I'm not talking about holy as in there's a bunch of holes in you. I, I'm talking about before the Lord. You are, you're holy and blameless. You, and you're accepted there. And, and, and you know, of course, when, when someone comes in new and they look at everyone else and everyone else seems uh, so, so good and, and oh wow, these people are church people, little they realize that this is a hospital for sinners. It's not a museum of saints. People got issues here. I got issues. I'm not who you think I am. But I'm holy and blameless in Christ. And I've been accepted in, into the beloved and so are you. And glory be to God, we have a, a number of people, half a dozen people have made a profession of faith here just in the last two months. You are accepted in the beloved. What other people view, people around you, uh, uh, what their view of you, uh, really doesn't matter. Because, you know, this, because this is a hospital for sinners, there's some people who will look at you and they'll like, poof, just like that. They're under construction like everyone else. They got issues. They're judging. But it doesn't even matter what they're thinking. What, what matters is what God thinks of you, who you are. You are accepted in the beloved. That's who we are. Now eventually we'll get on to uh, what we're going to do. But in order to do what God wants us to do, we first got to know who we are. I am going to ask the, the worship team to come up at this time. And we're just going to end with a worship song and end in prayer. I do want to, um, again, invite you out tonight for our communion service. It's just a time where there's an open mic and we just have different people share about what God has done in their life. Who, uh, they, 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 it's a time to share who we are and what Christ has done with us because of a better understanding of who we are. That's what we do. It's just also a time to share spiritual gifts and, and just prepare our hearts for, for, uh, for communion. But right now, I just um, want to end with, with worship and, and prayer. And look, if you just heard this description of who you are. Sean, could we put the chart up just one more time? If you just heard this description and the, the, the number one, it's, it's that we're in Christ Christ. 
Uh, number two is that um, uh, we have been blessed with spiritual, every spiritual blessing. Number three is we've been chosen. Number four is we're holy and blameless. Number five, we're adopted as sons and daughters. Number six, we're to the praise of his glory. And number seven, we're accepted in the beloved. If you've been struggling, really believing that, I just don't feel like that. So a wonderful thing happens by the Spirit of God and by faith when our heart actually embraces it and starts believing. That's a life of power when we start believing. Jesus said, uh, they asked Jesus, um, what are the works that we're supposed to do? He says, the works of God are to believe in me. And this is what Jesus says you are. That's the work of God. We're, we're supposed to strive and struggle and wrestle with the Lord until we just have this understanding of who we are. But if you are, if you want to, wrestle with us in prayer that's a a word in the bible used for prayer if you want to wrestle with us in prayer just come up and 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 we'll just pray together lord help this brother help this sister understand that this is who they are so let's stand um, for a closing prayer if there's any other prayer that you need um, you can come up as well as we finish the service with a worship song. But let's close in prayer right now. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we are in Christ. We're in Christ. We've been united to Him. We thank you for that. And Lord, we we thank you for just living in your home, that privilege and that everything that comes along with it. just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you'd bring us to full understanding of all of these things. But God, what we want to do now is worship you for this great work that you've done in our lives. We just want to worship you. We've been accepted into the beloved, and now that we want to worship you with the beloved. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.